Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 High FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. And it is Thursday afternoon. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's wonderful to be with you on the airwaves and the airwaves as uh, I'm sure you and everybody around you is winding down. School's out. So it's very much holiday season in the air. Can't say necessarily that looking around at the weather makes you feel like it's the middle of summer. But hey, rain is a good thing. Let's not complain about it. So it's fresh thinking time. You are with Rabbi Shishla. Special day today for us. Interesting day. Interesting day in history. Interesting day as Jewish people. Interesting day uh, post the Trump Declaration and the United States formally recognizing Jerusalem as Israel's capital. There's a lot of things that people are thinking and saying and wondering about this. I think it's quite a lot of food for thought and obviously um, an amazing recognition of something which technically has been going along in the in the works since 1995. All kinds of thoughts about wh- what happens next and is it, as people always ask, is it good for the Jews? But that's not what we're going to be talking about today, even though I think it's absolutely intriguing and fascinating and something very worth talking about. But today for us as Chabadniks, and you would have heard from Rabbi Kivman in the previous hour, is a highly, highly significant day. And to be perfectly honest, I only caught the last minute of his show. So hopefully not going to repeat too much of the things that were discussed in the last hour. But it's, uh, it's something I'd like to to share with you. It's something that uh, the very first time that we were on air live, if I'm not mistaken, and Kathy can correct me on this, but if I'm not mistaken, the very first live week of Chai FM uh, coincided with this particular date, the 19th of Kislev, because I remember distinctly that it wasn't called Fresh Thinking at that stage. I'm not even sure if it was uh, if it was called anything actually at that stage. I'm not sure if we had names yet for all the various shows. But I do recall at the time we had a whole show about whether or not people should study Jewish mysticism, Kabbalah. And that's directly related to this particular date today, the 19th of Kislev, a highly significant date on the Jewish calendar, certainly on the Chabad calendar. And I'd like to share just a few thoughts, insights around that with you. Um, build it in into the story. I'm going to tell you a little bit of a story of why this day is a special day and then some of the things that we could learn from that. And uh, I'd love to have your input, as always. I'm always intrigued to hear what it is that uh, people are thinking. And generally speaking, whether it be about the exact topic or anything which you may feel is somewhat related to the topic. So, Love to hear your thoughts. We're gonna. I'll, I'll unpack for you what the story is and why today is significant. But all along the way, you are welcome to participate and encouraged to participate in the conversation. Three, four, five, one, nine. That is our SMS line. Hopefully, we can get it up and running. Things were a little bit sluggish over here on the technology side before, but it looks like looks like it's working again. So three four five one nine or if you don't yet have the new WhatsApp number in your contacts, you should save it. It's O six one eight nine five ten nineteen. O six one eight nine five ten nineteen. And that's how you send WhatsApps. And of course, as always 
You are more than welcome to tweet, tweet at Chai FM, or you can tweet me directly at Rabbi Shish. So what is the significance of today's date, 19th of Kislev? Well, first, a little bit of backstory. I think it's important for us to contextualize that the month of Kislev, before we get to the specific day that we commemorate today or celebrate today, the uh, the month of Kislev is a very unique month. So we're... More than halfway through the month And it's a month represented mainly by the festival of Hanukkah Which starts next Tuesday night I hope you've got all your Hanukkah equipment Your menorah or Hanukkah As some people like to call it With your candles or better olive oil Ready to go just after sunset on Tuesday evening That would be the first night of Hanukkah And of course it extends for eight nights No, So Hanukkah is the, the hallmark festival of this Month and people find it to be a very festive type of a festival, mainly because it doesn't place too many restrictions on you. Typically, we know that when a festival comes, there are going to be restrictions. If it's Pesach, there are things you can't eat. If it is Sukkot, there are places where you can't eat. And every festival has limitations on what you can do in terms of driving and using electricity and writing and various other things. Whereas Hanukkah is quite easy. Come along, light your candle, eat donuts and latkes. I think just about anybody can do that. So it's very popular, certainly in, in the Northern Hemisphere, in the United States in particular. It's very mainstream. It's very much part of society, certainly in the East Coast and West Coast, the more Jewish parts of the United States. Everybody knows Hanukkah. Nobody can pronounce it, but everybody knows it. So it's a wonderful time. And that will be actually our first clue. Before I talk about the relevance of today as the 19th of Kislev, I just want to contextualize because every month on the Jewish calendar has a particular theme that is the overarching theme of that month. And the most significant date within the month will be the one that represents the theme. So Hanukkah is all about light, but more specifically, it's about finding the fuel for that light when and where you would not expect to be able to do so. So, of course, the Hanukkah story in brief is that after the um, – everybody likes to say Greeks, but the reality is it was this, uh, the Seleucid uh, Assyrians, which were Greek-influenced or more correctly perhaps Hellenized, who attacked Israel and ransacked the temple, took over the, the entire precinct took over the capital of Israel at the time, which was Jerusalem, major surprise. And uh, at the end of the story, there was a small band of Jews who got up and said, we're not going to take the sitting down. And they fought back, even though they were grossly outnumbered, and they succeeded, reclaimed the temple, reconsecrated the temple, and then wanted to reinitiate temple service, and they needed to find oil. And... By rights, they could have used any oil, but they wanted to do this properly and they wanted to have the highest level of observance. So they looked specifically to find olive oil that was still in a sealed container carrying the signature or the, the, the wax seal of the Kohen Gadol of the high priest. And it was a, a, a near mission, a near impossible mission. I mean, most people thought that it wasn't going to be possible. In the end, they found that they didn't find enough oil to last the amount of time it would take for them to produce new oil. But miraculously, that oil kept burning for the full eight days. And hence, we have Hanukkah. Now, everybody knows that story. It's an extremely well-known story within Judaism. But it does carry a number of messages. For example, it carries the message that when the world seems to outnumber you, when popular opinion is not Jewish opinion, 
Don't let that worry you. Don't let that be a reason to back down on your values or your principles or most importantly, the truth. So that's the first lesson of Hanukkah, that the truth will prevail even if it's only represented by a vast minority of people. So there's your first theme of the month of Kislev, the power of truth and the, uh, the, the fact that truth endures. The second theme is that in the darkest of times, it is number one, our opportunity, and secondly, our obligation to illuminate so don't accept darkness. Don't say, well, it's just the way the world is and things are rough. You've got the capacity and the responsibility to illuminate that world. So there's theme number two. And theme number three is look for that little bit of oil that everybody will tell you no longer exists. And that oil is representative of all kinds of things, as we'll discuss. So that's that's the intro to understanding the nature of this month. And in the context of this month, we can explore the significance of today, the 19th of Kislev. If you've got thoughts on that, or you've got a particular significance of what Kislev or Hanukkah means to you, we'd also love to hear that. So 34519 if you'd like to SMS or WhatsApp 0618951019. And as always, you can tweet me at Ravashish or tweet at Chai FM. Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 High FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. So talking today about the significance of today on the calendar, 19th of Kislev. It's a fascinating month, this month of Kislev. It is speckled and it is scattered with very unique dates. Of course, the most famous one being Hanukkah and each of them with such a powerful theme. So I've identified so far, and maybe you've got something else about Hanukkah that you believe that Hanukkah represents, and I'd love to hear it. But A, that Hanukkah represents standing up for the truth, even if you are in the minority. It seems to be a theme throughout the course of history that those who have honest values and immutable morality and the truth with the capital T tend to always be in the minority and a long way off in the minority. So there's lesson one, the uh, the fact that truth will prevail. Second lesson is if the world is dark, do something to make the world bright. That's our responsibility, not just to accept negativity or accept um, darkness or cold or apathy or uh, anything which is, I suppose, negative. And thirdly, there is this little jug of oil. And that's a highly significant motif of the Hanukkah story is this little jug of oil. And that jug has miraculous properties. That's the jug that makes us survive beyond the time frame that they gave us to survive. That's the jug that causes light to continue not only, by the way, for those eight days, and that's what's really fascinating about it. The sages tell us that the power of Hanukkah is that it is a light that continues through the ages. It will never stop. We will never stop celebrating Hanukkah. It will never become irrelevant. So there was this little bit of oil that should have only given them a few hours of light that instead has given us a few centuries of light. So we want to explore what's the nature of this this little bit of oil. What does it represent? And that's where I'm going to come to 
the significance of today's date. Remember, everything happens by divine providence. Uh, many of the Kabbalists tell us that things line up at a particular time of the year because they are associated with each other. So this is the month of Kislev. It is the energy represented by Hanukkah and what today happens to be fits into that whole energy. So what is today? Go back to the end of the 18th century. And, of course, Judaism at that time was somewhat different to how we experience Judaism today. You know, we complain perhaps about the fact that you go to a kosher restaurant and it doesn't necessarily have the highest standards of service or of quality of food. Well, at the end of the 18th century, I highly doubt that kosher restaurants were their big bugbear. And I think they were complaining about the price of kosher chickens because you probably had chicken once a week if you were really, really fortunate. Generally speaking, people were living in cramped conditions in the shtetl with very, very basic uh, provisions. And, of course, not having any amazing um, any, any amazing kind of medical protection, let alone security from whichever marauding band of people might come through your shtetl. And there was an additional issue, which was there was there was some kind of tension going on between the Jewish community and the host community of many of the places we lived in, and then unfortunately within the Jewish community itself. So against this backdrop, you have a very great sage who was a student of the teachings of the Baal Shem Tov. His name was Rabbi Shneir Zalman of Liadi. We call him in the Chabad world the Alter Rebbe, meaning the old Rebbe or the original Rebbe. And the uh, original Rebbe of the Chabad movement. So that implies, of course, that he started the Chabad movement. Now, this particular story, which all came to a head and, and resolved itself today, on the 19th of Kislev, back then in 1798, is a story of uh, trying to quell a growing movement within the Jewish community and uh, the fact that the government at the time, the Tsarist government, felt that this could have been, this new fledgling Chabad movement could have been both a threat to Judaism Interesting. I don't know that the Tsar was typically concerned about the well-being of Judaism, but nonetheless, in this particular instance, he was uh, he was quite upset, or his government, shall we say, was quite upset about the prospect of splintering of the Jewish community, and they also felt that there was some kind of an affront to the Tsar and his cabinet as well. So that's that's the background, and the leader of the movement, Rabbi Shneir Zalman of Liadi, who not long before that had released a very, very famous work on personal development and personal spirituality called the Tanya, so he became the target. Of course, if you want to stop a movement, you're going to go and you're going to try and remove the head of that movement. So what happened was the Altareba, shortly after the holiday of Sukkot, landed up in prison in a Russian prison. And uh, under the context or in the context of being accused of a capital offense, namely high treason. Now, I'm sure that you know enough history to know that the Tsar was not exactly the most malleable, negotiable type of person. So if you were up against the Tsar and the, 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 the charges against you were capital charges, the likelihood of escaping that was extremely, extremely low. And the celebration today is of the fact that things turned around in a matter of um, just short of two months. Things turned around. And not only did they not prosecute, but they re they released 
the Alter Rebbe, as we call him. And with that, the Chabad movement really took off. So you can imagine as Chabad next, it's like a really significant day for us because had this not happened, the Chabad movement might never have gotten off the ground. The Chabad ideology might never have spread through the world. And a lot of what we experience in the Jewish world today, overtly or covertly, has been influenced by the teachings of the Alter Rebbe, the perspective on how we view our fellow Jew, how we accept people who are not necessarily as observant as we are, a particular approach to Torah study, a, a particular understanding of the world and an understanding of God. It's all thanks to this particular event. And and there you see this correlation between the Hanukkah story and this particular story of the 19th of Kislev that both by divine providence were designed to be within days of each other is that both of them are about the truth will prevail. Even if you are in the minority, the truth will prevail. The opportunity to take darkness and to transform it into light. So here you had a very dark period of history where one of Judaism's greatest leaders was incarcerated with the very heavy clouds hanging over his head. And that was turned around and not only became a moment of celebration, but in fact became the launch pad of a whole fresh perspective on how Judaism should be shared and taught and experienced So the transformation of darkness into light, similar to the Hanukkah theme. And then, of course, there's this little mysterious jug of oil that seems to be able to reach and affect far more than its weight category. That it's uh, somehow able to change the world or change the laws of nature of the world in a way that nobody would have expected. Now, we know we understand exactly what that is in the Hanukkah story. We're going to see that there's quite a similar theme in this 19th of Kislev, or as we call it, the Yud Tes Kislev story. And that's the part that, that's got a take-home message for all of us, that every single one of us can access something of that kind of jug of oil in our own lives, something pristine, something unique, something which hasn't yet been released in our experience. But when it will be released, we'll make an absolutely different person out of us. So that's that's a lot of what today commemorates, and that's what I'd like to share with you. I'd like to hear your thoughts as well, and uh, if you've ever studied the Tanya, I'd be very curious to hear your experiences about it, because of course the Tanya, as I mentioned, is the magnum opus of the Alter Rebbe, the core ideology of Chabad, Hasidic philosophy, and and really the key to this jug of pristine oil. So if you have ever studied the Tanya, I'm really curious to hear what your experience of that has been. You can SMS 34519. You can WhatsApp 0618951019. Or you could tweet at Rabbi Shish or at Chai FM. Now, they say that you should visit Pick and Pay Hypernord for amazing deals, which are valid from yesterday until the 21st of December. And those include pick and pay two liter sunflower sunflower oil, which has been reduced from forty one rand ninety nine to thirty two rand. Their uh, two and a half kilo white sugar has gone down from thirty five ninety nine to twenty nine ninety nine. You can get Pepsi Cola two liter regular or light reduced from thirteen ninety nine to eleven ninety nine. Sally Williams Macadamia or almond nougat have been reduced from sixty two ninety nine to forty two ninety nine for one hundred and fifty grams. You can get a two kilo washed potatoes 
uh, for 19 rand 99 or equally a pick and pay two kilo onions also for 19.99 they've got av pure hake fish fingers at 39 rand 99 for 400 grams and no name kosher for pesach shredded tuna has been reduced from 15.99 to 12 rand so visit pick and pay hypernord perishables department for more amazing hanukkah specials on their fry Product. Well, I guess if it's going to be Hanukkah, it's going to have to be something to do with frying, right? Even though fries products, I don't think they're that oily, but I guess the name associates with Hanukkah. It is halfway, halfway through the show, just under about uh, just over 28 minutes to the hour. If you've just joined, you are on Fresh Thinking with me, Rabbi Shishler. And we're talking about the relevance of today's Hebrew date. Today's date on the Jewish calendar, the 19th of Kislev. And I've given you a very brief historical overview. This is the day in 1798 when the Alter Rebbe, founder of the Chabad Hasidic movement, was miraculously released from Tsarist prison where he had previously faced charges of high treason, which carried a capital punishment. So it's a big deal and there's a huge amount of celebration in the Hasidic world. Last night at Binyanei Ha'uma in Jerusalem, Tens of thousands, literally, of Jews from all walks of life came together for a celebration of Yud Tes Kislev, the 19th of Kislev. And the same scene repeats in all kinds of locations right around the whole country, right around the whole world. In fact, we tonight are going to be celebrating at the base in Sunny Road, which uh, is, is something really special, the bringing together of communities from across the M1. And to be able to do that is a really big deal. So that's going to be something very, very special. So uh, I've been trying to evoke this particular metaphor that comes out of Hanukkah, this metaphor of the little jug of pure oil. Now, one of the big things that Chabad Hasidic philosophy tells us uh, about ourselves and by extension about others and by further extension about the world is quite similar to that theme of the hidden jug of oil. So let's go back in the Hanukkah story. The Maccabees, more correctly known as the Chashmonaim, they come into the temple, they see the place has been ransacked, and they, they want to get the, the service started again, but they would like to do it in the best way possible, which means that they would like to find oil which is uncontaminated, which has not been exposed to anything which might disqualify it from the highest halachic requirements. And so they go on this needle in a haystack hunt trying to find what should never have been there. And one of the things that the Hellenists did when they came into the temple, they understood the nature, the the mechanics of the temple, and they made a point of breaking those seals on those jugs. It's a fascinating concept to imagine that uh, they didn't have anything better to do with their time. They, they obviously understood the spiritual power associated with the service in the temple, and they felt that they needed to somehow diminish that power in order to be able to hold on to Jerusalem. So somehow in all the debris, the Chashmonayim find this one tiny jug of oil. And here's what's interesting about it. The whole world around that jug of oil has been destroyed. The, the place has been damaged physically, but much more relevant to the story. The place has been defiled spiritually. Everything around them is in a state of contamination. But somehow that jug remains intact. The question is how and what does it signify and what's it got to do with our lives? So just picture the scene. 
picture the scene. You, you've obviously seen photos of the or, – well, there's not photos. You've seen people who've done models of the temple. You've seen people who've painted paintings of the ancient Jewish temple in Jerusalem. And so just picture that open courtyard with the uh, stone floor. Some people like to depict it as a mosaic floor. Just picture that with rubble and overturned well, by the time the Hashmonaim got there, they had overturned various idolatrous statues that had been placed all over the place. So they've, they've been tippled over. And it's just chaos and mayhem. And just picture dozens of clay jugs all broken, cracked, oil seeping all over the place. Or maybe they'd poured it down the drain. I don't know exactly what they, uh, what they did. But um, the point is that they literally look through all of that mess and they find this little jug and the distinction between that jug of oil and everything else is that it still has the seal of holiness on it there right away according to Hasidus according to the teaching of Chabad we have an insight into understanding what is so unique about us what is so unique about the next person and in fact what is unique about our world. You see, what happens a lot of the time is we focus on the destruction and the devastation. Uh, I did this experiment a couple of weeks ago in our shul. So we've got, I don't know how many uh, neon lights in the shul. You know, we've got those, those squares that have about three or four um, bul- uh, tubes, of it, fluorescent tubes. And uh, I think about two or three of them were out at the time. So I did a little experiment. And ask people in the shul, look up at the ceiling, what do you see? Straight away people said, oh, we see that two or three lights are out. Now there are about, I don't know, it must be about 50 or so fluorescent tubes in total. Isn't that fascinating that we tend to notice the ones that are out, that have burnt out, that are no longer working, rather than the fact that the vast majority of them are working? And that's how it is in life. A person is much more likely to point out the fact that you've got something on your shirt that's a little bit of dirt than they are to compliment you on the shirt that you're wearing. People are much quicker to find something to criticize about leadership rather than to find that which is right with our leadership. And so it goes, you know. So it goes, uh, all various things that people tend to focus on, same kind of concept. So if you see a world in ruin or you even see yourself in ruin, and, and we, we are like this, particularly as Jews where we carry a lot of this inbuilt Jewish guilt, we very often tend to see ourselves as negative. It fascinates me always because as a Chabadnik, one of the things that you all know is the hallmark of Chabadniks is mitzvahs on the move. So you'll innocently go to a wedding or a bris or do, be doing your shopping and the next thing there's some Chabadnik who will uh, kind of accost you and say, would you like to put on tefillin, shake a lulav, take Shabbos candles home or something like that? So uh, very often I find that if I stop a person and ask them if they would like to put on tefillin, inevitably they start to tell me, oh, you you know how long it is since I last put on tefillin and I really should be doing it. But I'm I'm like, I didn't ask you for confession. I just asked you if you wanted to have the opportunity right now to do a mitzvah to say a prayer. I didn't ask you for your history. But somehow people feel compelled to acknowledge their guilt. People tend to focus on their failure. People tend to see what's wrong with themselves. And so as a result, what people land up doing is thinking, I'm not going to develop further. I'm not going to be able to achieve. And we kind of write ourselves off. And one of the main teachings, one of the main shifts that Hasidus 
illustrates to us and what today's day signifies is to recognize that every one of us has this uncontaminated little jug of the core of who we are. And nobody ever will be able to break that seal. Nobody ever will be able to invade that pure space. So when I say nobody, that includes ourselves. No matter how much damage we might do to ourselves, we do a lot of damage to ourselves, certainly externally, with all bad choices, toxic behaviors, habits that repeat. We do all kinds of damage, just like that temple that the Hashemunayim came back to had been damaged. But there's always going to be some part of ourselves that can't be damaged. And our quest in life has to be to try and find it. Try and uncover that part of ourselves. Love to hear your thoughts. 34519 is our SMS number. Otherwise, WhatsApp 0618951019 or tweet at Chai FM or tweet me directly at Rabbi Shish. Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 Chai FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. So uh, SMS from Chaim says Trump recognizing Jerusalem as the capital on this day is also a miracle. And it's interesting that you say that, Chaim, on this day, because, of course, in the United States, it would have been yesterday's date, the 18th of Kislev, not the 19th. But in Jerusalem, it was already the 19th of Kislev. And uh, I know a lot of people who are making associations between exactly that point. So uh, interesting, interesting. I'm not sure uh, I'm not sure that everybody necessarily sees it that way, but I think you're making a, a very powerful point. So we're talking at the moment about the significance of today's date on the Jewish calendar. Nice WhatsApp from Devorah. I'm going to come back to that a little bit later. We're talking today about the significance of uh, the 19th Yud Test Kislev as the day that the Alter Rebbe founder of the Chabad movement was miraculously released from Zara's prison. And with that, the Chabad Hasidic movement really got off the ground. A lot of what we take for granted in today's world, the concept of Chabad houses in remote locations where you have a Jewish touch point, uh, no matter what the circumstances are, the idea of certain philosophical shift that has happened in the Jewish world, acceptance of people who are not necessarily as observant as us, etc. A lot of that tracks back to exactly this, to that, this particular day, the 19th of Kislev. And I was talking specifically here about one of the magnificent teachings or revelations. And I think it's important to, to distinguish between the two. Sometimes when you hear about a teaching, it makes it sound like, oh, somebody's come along with some addendum to Torah. You know, that's not how it works. What happens is when it's genuine, then it's a revelation of what the Torah always had within it. There again, you see, there's that theme. The jug of oil, of pure oil, like in the Hanukkah story, is there. It's just that nobody's discovered it previously. So you could go about your life pretending that there is no jug of oil or imagining for good reason that there is no jug of oil, that that purity has been lost. But the the goal of the Hanukkah story, the message of the Hanukkah story, and by extension of the month of Kislev and how it resonates specifically with the 19th of Kislev, is that there is a purity that can't be lost. And it's really our responsibility to find it, to find that purity within the Torah 
Because a lot of times what happens is people study Torah, but they don't necessarily um, they don't necessarily get that that sense of purity that lies within the Torah. It can happen. It can turn into a purely intellectual pursuit. It can even turn into something of a personal competitive pursuit. I just want to know more than the next person or be recognized in the academic community as being a, a, a maven as opposed to looking for the purity. So there's another one of the, the great insights that uh, Chabad Hasidus wants us to recognize is to be able to look into the Torah and discover the purity that lies within it, that it's not about intellect and it's not about academics and it's not about even a particular lifestyle. It's mainly about discovering the purity which is represented by God. But coming back to what I was saying before, it's about finding the purity in ourselves. Very often we walk around with this perception that if we mess up, then we damage not only our conscious self, but our subconscious self and perhaps even the core of ourselves. And that's where we get stuck and we start to believe, well, I've done X amount of things in my life that were damaging. So maybe by now I am damaged goods. And Hasidus comes to teach that's not the case. There is nothing, no force in the world that could cause you to become damaged goods. You could lose touch with the part of yourself that is pristine. And that happens to a lot of us and it happens to us perhaps most of the time. But there will always be a part of us that is pristine. It's actually alluded to in the scripture where the verse says that God devises strategies to make sure that nobody is cast away from him. You know, some people have this idea that if you behave in a particular way, you get cut off and totally separated from God, and there is no path of return, yet the Torah does use that expression that God will devise strategies to ensure that we don't get pushed away. And that primary strategy is that he's put within us this cruise of pure oil, this this element of Holiness, this uh, in uh, this this part of us that can't be contaminated, and the quest in life is really to get in touch with that part of ourselves. It's totally, totally shifting kind of stuff. If you find that deep within yourself, you've got this absolute purity, well, then you've got an incredible resource, an incredible wellspring that you can call on and then of course that informs how you see the next person because it's easy from a perspective of knowledge or from a perspective of observance to look at the next person and say hey you're less knowledgeable or less observant than i am so therefore you are less connected or less holy than i am and that's a terrible terrible mistake to make All we can read about another person is what sits on the surface. None of us is qualified to read what the person looks like at their essence or, for that matter, even beneath the surface. So the Hanukkah story, as interpreted through the lens of the 19th of Kislev, today's date, which is the lens of Hasidus, is the lens of saying, I might see the devastation, I might not see that cruise of oil, that purity that hasn't yet been contaminated. But I know it's in that person. So I should never judge that person. I should never look down at that person. I should never patronize that person because I don't see that little jug of oil which is alive and well somewhere within them. And for all I know, they might discover their jug of pure oil sooner than I do. 
And the story of Hanukkah, again through the lens of Hasidus, is that when you find that spot of purity, it changes everything. It doesn't just give you momentary inspiration. That's our problem a lot of the time is we have inspiration comes, lasts for a period of time, and then it dissipates. And then we get frustrated because we had that inspiration and what happened to it. Whereas when you, when you find that pure oil, it might look like it's only got enough capacity to light up for a few hours turns out that it just keeps illuminating. And I, I think if you look at the, the Hanukkah story, you'll see it's not just that it keeps illuminating. The way that we celebrate Hanukkah today, and it's fascinating because it's the only holiday that we do this way. It's the only holiday where even the least observant Jew keeps the holiday in the most religious way. People don't realize that because there's a whole debate about how you're supposed to fulfill it. And the way that we fulfill it is we increase the amount of lights from night to night, but there's the point. You find that spot of purity. You find that element of yourself, which is the truest identity of who you are, the truest identity of who the next person is. And from that particular point of view, you can not only illuminate the darkness, but you can actually illuminate in a way that it keeps getting brighter and warmer until eventually the whole world turns around. So you imagine that you look at somebody else and you feel that that person is perhaps less educated than you are or less observant than you are. And you think that you're better off than them. You don't know they might land up being the person who accesses their divine light sooner than you do. And then they just exponentially overtake you. They go places you could never go. Think, for example, of somebody like Rabbi, Rabbi Akiva. Classic example, for 40 years of his life, people looked at him and judged him and wrote him off because he was an ignoramus and he was rough about the edges and he really did not like rabbis. So they thought he would never amount to anything spiritual. And then all it took was one individual who turned out to be his wife, Rochel, who showed him how to find that spot of holiness inside of himself, that one little jug of Hanukkah oil. And the moment that happened, he just he was on fire in an unprecedented way. And he went from literally, excuse the cliche, from zero to hero, from being the greatest influencer over Talmudic thought, from being the man who couldn't read to being the man who taught 24,000 leaders how to become the next generation of scholars, even though uh, we know circumstantially they didn't land up uh, surviving. But that's, that's something we're going to leave for now. So it's about that. It's about this teaching of how to, A, acknowledge that there is this beautiful, pristine jug of oil that exists within every single one of us and then it's how do you discover it and activate it your thoughts three four five one nine if you'd like to send an sms otherwise if you want to whatsapp it's oh six one eight nine five one oh one nine and of course you can tweet as many fresh thinking listeners like to do tweet at high fm or tweet me directly at rabbi shish Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 High FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. So an SMS here from R asking what celebration is happening tonight and where and what time is it happening? So I'm aware of two. There may be others. Uh, I know I'm going to be, please God, at the base in Sunny Road at 8 o'clock 
which is a fin- I think it's a phenomenal thing. It's a crossover between communities. Uh, Santon, Glen Hazel, uh, Chabad or Sameach, I, I think it's just a wonderful, wonderful opportunity. There is also a Fabregan Atura Academy. I think it starts at the same time at 8 o'clock. So those are the options that I'm aware of. There may be others. I'm not entirely sure. So uh, just to wrap this up, and then I want to read you that WhatsApp from Devorah, which is nice, even though it refers to last week's uh, show, but still, it's a beautiful message, and I think it's worth sharing. So to wrap it up, the single, if you want to say, fundamental shift of Hasidic philosophy that we can attribute to Rabbi Shneir Zalman, the Alter Rebbe, who was released on this day from Zara's prison in 1798, is to to see and understand that there's a kernel of holiness that is always obscured and always covered by layers and layers of stuff, but it's there and it can never be damaged. And if we can release it, everything changes. So the first place we have to acknowledge that is in ourselves, that it doesn't matter what I've done, doesn't matter who I've become, there's a kernel of absolute holiness within me that cannot be destroyed. And from that tremendous transformation, greatness and illumination can come. I need to then see that the same applies to the next person regardless of who they are. And ideally, I should be helping the next person as I would hope that I help myself and that others would help me to uncover and reveal that kernel of absolute purity within themselves. And then I have to realize that actually the whole world is that way. No matter how much, as we call it, schmutz, no matter how much nonsense there is in our world, no matter how much animosity, hatred, corruption, evil, hedonism, temptation, whatever there is in our world, there is a kernel of holiness and it's our job to find it. Because when we find that kernel of holiness, when we recognize that this world is God's creation and we start to see things through that lens, then we light up the whole world and that's our responsibility. So let's hope that we succeed. Let's hope that we're able to do that in a meaningful fashion because the net result will be a messianic world, a world of light and goodness Please, God, may that happen soon. just want to read you this WhatsApp from Devorah. So Devorah says, even though I know things don't always turn out well, my prayers really worked last week. I told you I had a wobble but got myself together again. And on Friday, I got good news. And things worked out very well after all. Hope your issues did too. That's a lovely message. And I think it just reinforces the concept that when we get ourselves into a positive space, positive things happen happen. Thank you for that message and thank you for your inquiry and concern. Please God, we are headed in the right direction in our neck of the woods, definitely moving upwards and onwards. And please God, we should all have the opportunity to share not just good things with each other, but to share a transformation of our world from a place that sometimes looks a bit scary and a little bit far from the truth to a place that is deeply connected with God. And the way we'll do that is to reveal what is there beneath the surface, the truth, the goodness, the warmth, and the light. Have a wonderful day, a wonderful Shabbos, and please God, a safe and relaxing holiday.